I don't know how you can keep him around for another year. I say, do you see him with the Texans next season? I mean, I it's like a 50-50 thing. I don't think he should be. Welcome in to the Titans 10 for Friday, November the 19th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, broadcaster and writer with Broadway Sports Media and the 440 Podcast Network. Welcome into the first episode of Behind Enemy Lines, Week 11. This is the second of the two new episodes that we've added to the Titans 10 weekly lineup. We've got Titans Talk on Wednesdays. We've got Behind Enemy Lines will regularly be on Thursday afternoons, but today we're doing it on Friday because of a scheduling conflict. So we're actually going to push, and I'll make an announcement about this on Twitter, so you may have already seen this, but we're going to push the usual Friday show to Saturday morning. So tomorrow morning will be the Week 11 preview episode that we typically do on Friday afternoons. This Friday afternoon will be our first episode of the Titans 10 Behind Enemy Lines for Week 11. We've got a great guest. Matt Weston is going to be joining us from Houston. He's a guy that covers the Texans. We'll talk more about him in the intro here in a second. Before we get started, if you are listening to this on the Football and Other F-Words podcast feed, you're only going to hear a little bit less than half of the interview. Um, So, you know, this is just a teaser episode if you're listening on the F Words feed. And we're not going to be putting these Wednesday and Thursday episodes on the F Words feed for but maybe one or two weeks, just as little previews. Otherwise, they're going to be exclusively on the Titans 10 feed. So if you want to hear the whole interview and you want to hear interviews in the future, you got to go subscribe to the Titans 10 podcast feed. There's a link in the description of the podcast that you're currently listening to. Click it. It'll take you wherever you need to go, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can go subscribe to the Titans 10 so you get all the stuff there. Uh, Please leave us comments, likes, you know, subscriptions, all that good stuff. Uh, It's much appreciated. Make sure you're following me on Twitter, all of that blah, 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 good stuff, self-promotion. You don't care. Let's get on to the interview with Matt Weston. All right, let's welcome in Matt Weston to Behind Enemy Lines Week 11. Matt is a writer at BattleRedBlog.com and the voice of Battle Red Radio. Matt, thanks for joining the show today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today, Easton. So we're talking Titans-Texans. They got their first of two divisional games coming up this Sunday for Week 11. I wanted to get your take on the Texans season so far. You know, they started out the season and in the first game and a half looked a lot more competitive than I think most anticipated them being in this season. I came into the season kind of expecting them to be better than folks thought, just because I thought Tyrod Taylor is the kind of quarterback that can give any team a chance. And, you know, he was doing that for a week and a half and then went out in that Browns game. Uh, Talk me through a little bit of that opening, opening game and a half, what the, what the scene was around the Texans uh, and the Texans fan base. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing about those first like six quarters that nobody expected at all was that they forced a lot of turnovers. And like this defense can't get any stops all whatsoever. Um, but the, you know, Justin Reed had interception, a forced fumble. Vern Hargrave somehow had an interception, peeling off of cover two in the flats, pick off Trevor Lawrence. And yeah, you know, they had like such a high turnover rate that wasn't sustainable, but it was much higher than what it was the year before, whenever they only had three interceptions for the entire year. And so then the defense was fluky because in those six quarters, they had five turnovers uh, during those points. Like the offense, like 
you know, whenever you go up against a badly coached Jaguars team, what they did where they had like no plan of attack for Tyrod Taylor in the pocket and they were able to bring him down the backfield, that sort of thing led to some big plays on the back end of it. And then against Cleveland, you know, they're, they're really like their biggest source of offense was a screen pass using cast promotion at Philip Lindsay for a touchdown. And so I think the biggest thing of the first six quarters is that, you know, they look like pretty like well-coached, they forced turnovers, but a lot of it's kind of unsustainable. And I think a lot of it too is kind of based off of playing a bad, a bad team that's coached poorly in the Jaguars. And then the Browns, you know, I think they kind of call them off guard a little bit with that screen pass too. Uh, but what we've seen lately, even going back to that Miami game with Taylor back in the offense too, it's kind of what we expected from this Texans team, you know, that they'd be bad, that they don't have young talent, that a lot of the veterans and off seasons they had this summer were, you know, non-playable characters and you're know, just guys <laughs> that, you know, you weren't expecting a whole lot out of. And we've seen exactly that the last, you know, eight and a half weeks of the season. Right. And so Tyrod Taylor goes down in at halftime in that Browns game. And then you get six or seven or eight weeks of the Davis Mills experience. So I don't know what was the expectation for him when the Texans drafted him and, and have they been met? What, what have you thought about uh, his play so far this season? Yeah, like all fan bases, you know, their, their brains are warped where if a player is selected by your team, all of a sudden he's you know, the best player in the world. And so there's a lot of talk that, if Davis Mills waited another year to enter the NFL draft, he would have been a first round pick, which I don't think is true. And I think the fan base in general thought he could be like a, a future franchise quarterback. I think the team thought so at like the reaction whenever they selected him in the third round. I thought you know, it was a bad pick at the time, and I still do, mainly because they had so many holes throughout the roster that if you just find a starting offensive guard or a starting defensive tackle, you know, that's more important than having a project quarterback when you have so many your problems down throughout the entire roster. And also like I thought Davis Mills was bad at Stanford and you know he's been bad in the pros as well too. And like Tim Kelly, this offense hasn't done many favors. You know, they had the training brawl on him throughout this year where, you know, he was thrown like four routes pretty much. Um, they try to run the ball, but they have the worst run game in football and everything they were doing just didn't, really didn't work out at all. And so like, it was kind of the scheme is bad. The players are bad. Davis Mills is bad. And it's just this like circle or, you know, snake that eats itself. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's going to be good going forward. I don't think he's going to be a, a franchise quarterback at all or a starting quarterback. I think he's a backup quarterback who like, will hang around because he was drafted in the third round. But uh, I thought the pick was bad, and it still is, you know? Right, and I mean, I think, to be fair, he was put in an incredibly difficult situation for a, a rookie that clearly needed some development. You know, a third-round guy. He played a, a number of road games early against pretty good team stout defenses, he wasn't really given much of a chance. And, you know, like you said, outside of Brandon Cooks, it seems like the team really hasn't surrounded him with many weapons. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the thinking, I think, that you were alluding to in the draft. Why, why are they taking this guy when there are so many holes elsewhere on the team? You know, it ended up being, I guess you could say, in hindsight, it was a better pick than it may have been thought of at the time, just because Tyrod Taylor goes down early mm-hmm. and he's needed because if, it, if not for David Davis Mills, who else? would have been playing quarterback uh, for this stretch of the season. Not, not that it's mattered all that much, but Mm -hmm. at least Davis has, has made them competitive in a handful of games. The new England game is one that comes to mind. Um, So Tyrod comes back last week against Miami. And I know that, and I don't know if you're clued into the professional betting scene at all, but I know that a number of professional bettors in particular were really high on Tyrod based on his first game and a half of the season, him coming back, the Texans being more competitive just because of his playmaking ability in that offense. He comes back and has one of his worst games to date. Do you think that that was just uh, 
him having to shake off the rust? Do you think that he, you know, that that hamstring, he's not exactly 100% yet? What did you see in that game against Miami? Yeah, I mean, it was one of the things where I think part of it was rust, but also they played a high blitz defense. And they used a new offensive line combination they haven't used before. They benched Max Sharping, their second-round pick from 2019, who was a left tackle. They moved over to offensive guard, who's been moved to left guard, moved to right guard this year after they moved Tyus Howard over to left guard. And he's been, like, unplayable this year. Like, he's soft. He's not strong enough to play the position. And so they benched him. They moved Justin McCray into the starting lineup of right guard. I think he played, like, less than 10% of the snaps in Atlanta last year, too. Like, McCray's, like, you know, again, another guy who's just, like, a non-playable character. And then they added Jimmy Morrissey into the starting lineup at center. And he was, you know, an undrafted free agent from the Vegas practice squad that they poached this offseason or this, you know, whenever the season started. Right. So they put him in the lineup at center. And, like, the problem is that they're playing a cover zero blitz team. They were running a lot of isolation routes and vertical routes against cover zero, which doesn't work whenever they're playing like 15 yards off the ball. They had a center in who didn't know which way to slide in the pass protection call. So they allowed a ton of free rushers. They had you know, unblocked rushers off the edge throughout the game, which you know happens because you have to block the first man first, but they just didn't run any man beater, any uh, man coverage beaters at all to throw off the edge. And they had no hot routes at all. Uh, they ran one route concept where they ran uh, like a slant flat where they had Amendola in the flat. They got like 29 yards off of. That was the only man coverage beater they ran the entire game. And so I think part of his tail was rusty, but the bigger part was that they had an atrocious game plan. They used the offensive line combination they never used before. Star as center who you know, was limited athletically and talent-wise in his first star against the High Blitz team. And all three of those things kind of came together where they were only able to score nine points despite the defense forcing five turnovers in that game against Miami. All right, we've reached the end of the preview of the first episode of Behind Enemy Lines for week 11. So if you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, that means you've listened to this on the Football and Other F-Words podcast feed. I hope you enjoyed the preview. Matt and I get into a lot more discussion, especially about this upcoming week. We talk about this matchup in particular. I think you're really going to enjoy it. You don't want to miss the rest of the interview. So go listen to the rest at the Titans 10 podcast feed. Link in the description of the podcast you're currently listening to. You can click it, go subscribe, get the full episode, and get all the full episodes in the future. All right. Thanks for listening, and have a good weekend. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. Listen, I know every show you've ever listened to has asked you to do that, and you don't. I get it. I'm guilty of it, too. But not every show you listen to is brand new and trying to get off the ground like we are. So please, it'll help so, so much if you go rate and review and subscribe to the show. Actually go do it. Thank you in advance. We love a good grassroots effort over here at the Titans 10. And I know you've got a bunch of friends and family who follow the Titans. I know you do. So please send them this show and don't just tell them about it. Share the show with them over text. Send it to them. Tell them how much they need it in their lives because, of course, they definitely do. All press conference audio in this episode is from TennesseeTitans.com, so thank you to them for providing that for us. Follow me at Easton Freeze and the show at the Titans 10 BSM. That's at the Titans 10 BSM on Twitter to keep up with all of my football coverage and get show updates. Make sure to check out me and my talented colleagues over at BroadwaySportsMedia.com for all things Tennessee sports. We've got a great team of writers as well as a great podcast network with new content five days a week for you to consume. 
All right, that's going to do it for today. I am your host, Easton Freeze, and this has been the Titans 10. 